This will be my last Sunday with you in 2016. And if, uh, if the graduate school university program that I work with is, continues to be gracious, we can check on 2017. But there I've gotten numerous emails saying, are you actually coming back? <laughs> and I said, uh, when the snow is all gone and the leaves, the leaves start to return, so shall I. Yeah, they don't laugh at that at all, at all. It's been fun to be connected with you long-term, to watch what God is up to. It will be different next year. It will be very different, but in a fun way. And it's time to get prepared. And in order to do that, we've got to press through. So you call it physio because you shorten everything. I'm, I'm assuming it's for efficiency, not laziness as a culture. I'm sometimes intrigued by how you do it because as outsiders, they make absolute sense to you, but not to us. So uh, keep, keep going. Make, it just uh, it helps other people go, oh, they're really interesting people. And so just keep playing that card. It works for you. Unfortunately, I've had to be with um, physical fitness um, physical therapy people too many times in my life. And one of the things they always talk about is you've got to push through the pain. Well, they're never your favorite people when they say that. <laughs> push through the pain. Yeah, that's what you always wanted your mother to say when you were young. And I'll just, I don't feel well, push through the pain. You little whinger. I mean, that's, <laughs> come on, that's not a good mom. It's like, oh, stay home. I'll take care of you. That's what you want your physio to say to you. Yeah, it'll, it'll be better. Here you go. I've attempted over the years to find a physical uh, personal trainer. I don't like them. They're mean. And they always tell me to push. And I'm going, no, it's, it's break time. It's, uh, it's cookies and milk. Donuts and Coke. Come on, that's... That's why I got this way. <laughs> Come on. Um, some of you who are the most caring and verbal, they, they don't always go together, but sometimes they do, have wondered about my, um, some of my ailments and why I walk the way I do. Um, some 15 years ago, I shattered my ankle. I wish I had a cool story. It was just second story deck on the back of the house and ladder was against post, post snapped. On the way down, the foot got stuck on the rung of the ladder. So when the ladder crashed, the ankle went over and spun around and turned up and broke off and shot out. Um, 20, yeah, for those of you who, it's too early for that story. <laughs> I didn't think about that, sorry. <laughs> But they told me the, the, uh, the bones were sticking out five and a half inches, and there were 25 breaks, and they wanted to amputate. And I talked to them into leaving it on. Amputation just seemed rather barbaric to me. <laughs> so I'm going, leave it on, we'll give it a go and see. Uh, it's gotten me to 40 countries since. Um, but, but a little tough, sometimes. And then in working with um, lifting Diana for dozen more times a day for a couple of years with one leg shorter than the other and other things that threw my back into a place that they're saying, oh, I probably need something else. 
And so I have people go, you sort of need an absolute body healing. I'm going, no, I'm actually pretty good. It's just um, from sort of the hips down, not waist down, hips down. Front and back appear to be okay. <laughs> it's just the hips down. Let's go after this. On one of my uh, four country trips, um, I couldn't get anybody to go with me. It was the end of the term. And so I got my son to go with me. And in the midst of this, he said, Dad, you shouldn't make these trips. I said, okay, uh, why not? And he goes, look at you. We're going, I think I look good. <laughs> and he goes, you, uh, you grimace in pain with every step. And I said, but I make steps. And he said, you shouldn't do these. And I said, so I should stay home and just what? He goes, I don't, I don't know, but this is painful to watch you. I said, well, get used to it because I'm going to press through. Unfortunately, mine is very physical. Most of yours is not. Yours has to do more with your spirit. Folks, it's almost identical. When it gets hard, most of us, most of us want to push pause. We want to stop. It just seems too hard. Last week I told you was the fun message of the series. This one is not. This is the hard one. I knew that from the beginning. But if you're going to get to the other side of where you want to get, and in all likelihood where God dreams for you to get, there's no other way to do it except press through. Press through. Press through with a couple of great biblical phrases. Press through with all your heart. All your heart's one of those phrases that some of us go, I'm, an all, I'm a whole heart kind of person, and some go, yeah, I'm just not. I, uh, I, I like the easier road. I, I like the path everybody else takes. I don't like the road less taken. I like the one that, where you just kind of get to smile, where life's good. I like those shirts. Life's good. That's how life should be. It, it, it is. But when it's not, what, what do you do? That's today's message. Because I figured out a long time ago, it's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to quit. Um, just a little over a week ago, I got to go to uh, one of the um, preseason NAB exhibition games um, to, to watch the Dockers. Thank you. I noticed not a great response to that. It was a day I could go, okay? It was a day I could go. One of the things I love about watching footy is to watch how the scores swing widely. That's not true of lots of sport, but it's true with those games. And I remember watching this thinking, ah, it doesn't matter the score. It can come back. It's always too soon to quit. In all of life, not just sport, in all of life, it's always too soon to quit. Let's go back to our text. We looked at the first 11 verses. We touched on 12 through 14. Let's go back to it again. Not that I've already obtained all of this, Paul says. Notice the little words that make the biggest difference in this text. It was not that I've already obtained all of this. All of what God has for me. No, I'm not there yet. 
haven't already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. This is where I just always want to either play like you're a black church or at least someplace in the southeast. Because it brings out that side of me, oh, brothers and sisters. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But there's just this one thing I do. This clarity of focus of your life, your purpose, your mission, the best of who God is and what he has for you, the best of all of this in your life. There's just this one thing I do. Just one. The Bible does this so many times. There's just this one thing. Just this one thing. Forget what lies behind. And I press on for what's ahead. Press on towards the goal. When the prize for which God has called me upwards to heaven in Christ Jesus. We're going to review for just a moment. I thought if I wasn't careful, the whole message could be review. And you went, been there, done that, move on, big boy. So we'll do it quickly, press on. This is all I have to say about pressing on, right there. Press on. Remember what we said. There is a clear sense. There's a clear sense. A clear course. I've got a pretty good idea of where I'm headed. I'm going to stick with it. I set my eyes. I set my sights. It's what we talked about. It's moving ahead. But in order to move ahead, as we said, if you can do it, do it. As Paul says, I forget what lies behind. If you can forget, great. If you can't, what do you do? Well, you have to process that other stuff. Some of you have moved on, but those who love you most have gone, but you heard us and left us back there. And so part of your responsibility is to go back and get them to come up with you. Part of pressing on was, remember, to update those phrases in your head. Those old phrases. Remember this one? What if? What if? What if you were as good as your biggest fans say you are? What if? If we have a challenge with that humanly, just imagine what's like when the Spirit of God's going, duh. I've been whispering this stuff in years for years. If we listen, if we listen to the voice of the Father, he'll say things to you like, you're way better than you know. Why do you keep saying that? You know that's a lie. Are you as tired of listening to that phrase as I am? And then he begins to give you new ones. But again, if you don't press into this, you start thinking those new phrases you've generated in your own head. You start to discredit them and make them about you. And he's going, no, these are my phrases. I'm giving them to you. Take them from me. But remember, culturally, these aren't easy for you. See, we have to do the opposite side of this in parts of America where people think they're way better than they actually are. We have to go, no, no, don't believe your mother. She was wrong. You're not that good. 
If we voted, it wouldn't pass. We're on the other side for you. If we voted, it'd be unanimous. You're way better than you give yourself credit for. See, either way, the Spirit of God's got his work cut out. He's, either, he's got to conform you to the image of Christ one way or the other. Just for you, it's a little harder. Frankly, it's easier to knock somebody down a couple notches. I know. Been there. Two t-shirts. Been there. But it's a lot harder for you. Because you find ways to discredit it. For those of you that are exception to that, just quietly thank God and pray for the rest of us here. You press on. Ah, uh, but you've got to press in. Press into him. Press into this heart. This heart of the Father. My first Sunday with you, we talked about tending to the heart. It's the wellspring of life. Again, the passage in Proverbs, it's one of those that shouts, above all else. Bible doesn't say that very often. Above all else. Here's the good stuff. Now above everything else, guard the heart. It's the wellspring of life. It is where the Spirit of God comes, speaks, gives you life, strength, energy, hope. It's where he energizes you right there from the heart. So press into the heart of the Father. Press in. We looked at the picture of the heart. I admit it, I'm clearly not cut out to be an artist. My heart picture showed that. But it's to expand the capacity of that. Remember the chest with the false bottom. For those of you who saw it, we'll show it to you one more time. This is where when you press in, this divine partnership comes. This is where it begins to make sense to you. That it's your human spirit and his Holy Spirit combined to make this unique connection. Where you figure out the parts you're responsible for and he tells you the parts he's responsible for. And you figure out this thing works like this. Because it requires so much less energy than when you're just trying to do it in your own strength. And it's where the new phrases begin to come. They come. They really do. New phrases come, and some of you go, these are awkwardly uncomfortable. I like the old ones, because then I can say things to myself, like, I have to try harder. I have to do better. I have to do more. The Spirit goes, can if you want to, but it's better if you walk with me and walk in step with me. And in strategic moments, I'll say, go over there. Speak this to this person. Just shut up for now. I like that one. Yeah, don't say anything. Don't make this one about you. Come on. And there is this sense that comes. The three words people describe most when they press in. They have a sense of being full and free and fun. And we've already established for some of you, a fun coach will be required. <laughs> You've got to get over that level. Now we're up to date. Let's press through. What's press through look like? You are forgetting those things that are left behind. If you can do it, leave them behind. Walk away from them. Again, if you've walked away but the people closest to you are still going, you kind of left us back here with a little bit of a bruise. Go back and get them and bring them up with you. There's nothing better than apologies to a family. I'm quite sure I told you this last time I was here, but we've just done another round, so I think it's worth telling you again. 
kind of like lots of how our family turned out. You know, it's never ideal. You have families, you know the story. It's never ideal or perfect. Diana did a great job at discipling, discipling the kids. She took it on as her life mission. She did so well. But I discovered there's one thing missing in our family. We were together, it was about five years ago, and I thought, we've got one great weakness as a family. We don't apologize well. Well, it was a great little book called The One Minute Apology. So I got the book and read it and thought, this will help our family. So I ordered one, sent them to each of the kids and the in-laws, especially the in-laws. <laughs> wow, it wasn't intended to be that funny. That was just a slip in. I had some good stuff earlier and you didn't go for it. And I said, if you can't read the whole book, read this chapter. If you can't read the whole chapter, read these three pages. I'll highlight them for you. So that when we're together, we can all be on the same page, no pun intended. And we got together and I quickly figured out something. The reason our family wasn't good at apologies was because of me. Boy, that's not fun to admit. And I figured out something. I lost men in my family. My oldest brother was killed in a car accident when I was 10. My father had a massive heart attack and died. I just turned 15. My brother was in Vietnam, came home as a hopeless alcoholic. I basically lost him. I lost the men closest to me. As a young man, life was way harder than it should have been. So when my kids had a great life, I found it annoying that they weren't more grateful. So if they'd make a stupid decision that kids do, then they'd go, sorry, Dad. It just somehow didn't hit me well. Like, you have no idea how, what good you have it. I'm never going to say this to them. I don't want to guilt them or shame them, but they annoyed the stuff out of me. And what I discovered was I modeled for the family not good apologies. And so what I figured out was I had to own it and talk to him about it. Then moving into the last season we've had to be in, apologies are so crucial. We're a different family now. See, it would have been easy for me to go, that's not that big a deal. I've moved on. In my mind, I'm a great guy. But to my kids and to my wife, I wasn't good at apologies. And it affected her family. Now, I don't know why I took time to tell you that story. That's not true of any of you. Those aren't your issues. Yours are subtly different. So make the parallel and take care of it. There's probably a book on it. If not, somebody will write one for you. When you're pressing through, you can't do this half-heartedly. You know that. You've got to do this one with all your heart. So when it seems too hard, you still keep going. You don't. You just don't stop. And you keep pressing through until, notice the phrase, until it comes. Now, there's a great phrase in Scripture. 
until he comes. It's actually tied to communion. Keep doing this until he comes. Now this is where, forgive me, we've created a bit of a bad theology that there are people of faith around the world sitting in churches not quite this good who have a thing that runs in their head, Lord, the world's getting so bad, you've gotta come soon, and I'll just hang on until he comes. They don't know how to press through. They're waiting for the escape. There may well be an escape, but until he comes, stick with it until it comes. That's the pressing through peace. This one's fun for me. I hope it will be for you. Selective forgetting. Some of you go, I have that, but I don't know the selection process. <laughs> There's actually this fun, odd, weird book called The Intuitive Edge, written by an Irish bloke named Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, bad cultural humor, man. That one will work better about 11, I think. But this book has a distinction of making the New York Times bestseller list in two different decades. Same book. Almost never happens. What happened is when it came out, it was a business world book. And it said, look, the people who make the most money aren't the people who read the reports everybody else reads. They're the people who sit back in the evenings, watch the patterns of the market, and go with their gut level instinct of where the market's going to go and, and just do it ahead of everybody else. It's the intuitive edge. Well, in the era where some new age things begin to come along, they figured out, wow, this thing applies to way more than just making decisions on finance. This is sort of the pattern of your life. Well, for me, studying how to communicate, well, intuition is one of the greatest strengths. So here's intuitive edge. Selective forgetting. The forgetting is either what is or was there. Some of those things that you say about yourself, I'm this way. No, they're not. They're not true. Used to be, maybe. I have people tell me things about themselves and I go, um, if you're on a different planet, maybe. But you know, you're a humanoid on planet Earth. And that's just not true of you. And sometimes it's true in that they're way harder on themselves than they should be. Or sometimes they're giving themselves far too much credit. So the selective forgetting process is to look very effectively what actually is true of my life and what isn't. What is there to be left behind that shouldn't be there anymore? It just doesn't match, it doesn't fit. I had this odd thing happen to me. Um, it's been winter, cold winter, and I grabbed some clothes to come. Didn't spend enough time packing. I just threw things in. Forgetting that um, I had uh, lost some weight. I saw some people who'd known me uh, 10 years ago once I got here. And one of the very kind but very direct Asian women said to me, you've lost a third of you. <laughs> Which in her family means that's a whole person. Her daughter's name is Xi, and I said, I lost a full Xi. <laughs> she looked at me, she goes, that's not funny. <laughs> it's a little funny, come on. And I got here and discovered I had five shirts I brought that didn't fit anymore. They were fat shirts. It happens to people 
who lose weight? They don't update their wardrobe and they keep wearing things that are too big for them. And you go, you, you know you're not that size anymore, but it's hard in their head because they still are. I'm giving you that because that is true of some of you in the entirety of your life. You still say, I'm this way. And the spirit of God with everything in him is going, no, you're not. No, you're not. Get rid of the fat clothes. Get rid of the fat jokes. Get rid of the phrases about you. Walk, as the Bible says so well, walk in newness of life. It's selective forgetting. We'll talk about the false bottom in just a moment. Oh, here's my favorite phrase. Non-conscious synthesis. Some of you are going, I need more coffee to understand that one. <laughs> and maybe with something in it besides sugar. All non-conscious synthesis is, is you have taken stuff into your head that's true, and it's not true. Come on, we've passed it on. The classic one crosses so many um, cultures. Some of you, when you were younger, big boys don't cry. Sure they do. Big boys need to know how to cry. They won't be good husbands and fathers if they don't learn to cry. We have all sorts of those phrases. I remember back in the 80s, there was a book called, that said, Real Women Don't Pump Gas. Now, that wasn't a great book. <laughs> Sold several hundred thousand copies because women like the title. Non-conscious synthesis. Here's the pattern that applies to you this morning. What are those ideas, those phrases? Those things that have stuck in your head that you believe to be true, but they're not. If you're going to press through, you identify them, update them, leave them behind, and press through. I had a fun, I have several fun experiences since I've been here, but one of them was somebody called me and said, um, Martin, I've got. Um, I've got some um, uh, executive seats at the uh, arena to watch the uh, Perth Wildcats. And um, they said, it's not going to be NBA, but it'll be good. And so professional basketball is just kind of fun to watch no matter where you are. By the way, great arena. Full court press is when the team who has the ball just thinks, they just assume they can move they can move up the floor however they want to. And the other team goes, oh, no, you can't. We're going to put pressure on you at every point. We're going to make sure you can't advance that ball. And with just a little bit of luck and some skill, we're going to take the ball away from you. It's a full court press. But it requires so much more energy. The strategies have to be clear. Everyone has to do their job. Because if you've got five players and only four are doing their job well, you don't get there. Because the weak link always gets the ball. If you're going to press through, you've got to learn the skills of the full court press. Whether it's the challenge in front of you, the enemy of your soul behind you, a life circumstance that you've not yet been overcome, you initiate a full, course, full court press without a weak link. 
and you don't give up until it comes. You press through. It's not just about good life skills or human stuff. Paul says, this is why I do it. You see, I've got this upward calling in Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his suffering. I want to know the best and the hardest parts of who he is. I want this. I want to go after this. Great phrase. With, with all my heart. So clearly address what is there and what's not there. There are phantoms. You'll fight phantoms that aren't actually real. Some of you have phrases that run in your head and you go, you know those aren't real. They're only true in your head. Get rid of them. And then, oh, my favorite slide of all time. You got to enter the no excuse zone. The no excuse zone. You decide if one of these four is yours or if there's others. There's no whinging. Some of you going, really? Because that's like my greatest single gifting in life. I go, I know. And we don't like that about you. But you're so good at it. I can't even try to do it as well as you do naturally. But some of us have just gotten used to blaming somebody else. Somebody else's fault. You just make a good excuse. That's because of this. Wasn't really anybody else's fault. It just uh, didn't happen. And here's, uh, here's why. Can't document it, but, he, but here's why. I keep running into, every time we talk about life change, I keep running into this thing that uh, is called the tall poppy syndrome for you all. I don't like referencing this that often, but it just shows up in so many places. I have, I, I kept track, I have had nearly 60 conversations since I've been here. That's a lot. 60 conversations are a lot. And I've simply said to people, this will not happen unless you become the hero of your own narrative. The story of your life will not have a different outcome unless you become the hero of your own story. And it always starts with, yeah, but. I just start shaking my head. So you can finish the story if you want. There's no sense in finishing that story. There's no yeah, but to this. The narrative of your life. The one that you'll tell. The one that those who know and love you will tell. And the one that ultimately gets told when your life's revealed in the kingdom of heaven. Need you to be the champion of your own life. So that's why we have to enter the no excuse zone. You become the champion. This passage would have been so much fun to preach from Matthew 25. And here's why. It's the parable of the talents. We've never known what to do with the parable of talents. Well-intentioned preachers still think it's about talents, human talents. No, it's not. It's a talent is a measurement of money. Jesus liked to use those because it was very concrete. People knew what he was talking about. And people were given different levels. One five, one two, one one. The one who got five went and invested it. 
knowing that the lend, the, uh, the, the lender was going to come back. The one with uh, two went and invested it, knowing that the lender was going to come back. The one with one was scared, so they went and buried it. So when the money, the, uh, the landowner came back and said, what have you done with what you've been given? The one with five said, I invested well, look, here's five more. And he goes, way cool, we're going to have fun together. In essence, that's what he says. Well done. His, I think the, the actual Hebrew text says, good on you. I think's what it says. <laughs> yeah, I can't even fake accents well, so... <laughs> Now here's what I find interesting. The two who did their job gave the response to the master in 14 words. It only took 14 words to give a summary. Here's what I've done with what I've been given. 14 words. The one who didn't do their job took 43 words to give an explanation. <laughs> Story of some of your lives. I have, for a number of you, and in the evening service, I have asked very direct questions. I am direct. I'm from New York. I'm leaving the country. I can do it. <laughs> so in the evening service, somebody will start to talk, and I'll say one question. Are you sleeping with her? And their eyes get big, and they start to talk, and I said, no sense in answering. I know the answer, and so do you. And several times they've gone, yeah, but, and I said, there's no yeah, but to this one. You're asking for God to do his part, and you're not doing yours. Forget the morality. You're just trying to live a life you can't live. Nobody can do this. When you start to give excessive explanations, you're not doing your job. When you've done your job, it's yes or no. I was just at a ministry conference. We had prayer teams at the front. My directness is a little too direct once in a while, no matter where in the world I am. I have to remember that that can be an issue. So there's a young ministry guy comes up, early 30s, he's been serving overseas. He talks very loosely, generally, about a challenge he's having and he wants prayer for it. And I said, too general. What do you actually want? And he still wasn't being very specific. And then I thought my voice was a little soft, but apparently I don't do soft voice well. <laughs> and I asked him if part of his anatomy had been someplace it shouldn't have been. But I was very direct. <laughs> and apparently too loud. <laughs> and his sister-in-law was right behind him. And the rest of the prayer team all heard it and burst into laughter while they had people crying and they were supposed to be praying for. It was just awkward everywhere. And when I asked him directly, he started an explanation and I said, bad answer, mate. It's a yes or a no and you're not saying no. So now let's have the real conversation. He goes, I didn't expect that question. I said, I know. That's why you were lying to me and to yourself and probably to God. Do you want your life to just be a slightly better version of what it's been? Or do you want the transformed process? It's kind of that simple. And you enter the no excuse zone. Uh, let's go back to my bad art. 
See what we're talking about, folks, is expanding the capacity so that there's more there for God to work with, more there for you to experience, more there for you to feel, to love and be loved. The more you receive, the more you get a chance to give. That's why for some of us it feels so hard because there's not enough capacity to give more because the heart's not fully operating. You can take care of that, you know. Ah, my favorite. What's there? What's hidden underneath? When the false bottom's in, it just looks like it's a shallow chest. There are things hidden underneath the false bottom. Sometimes it's dark side issues. Sometimes it's secrets. But on other sides, for most of us in the room, that's not the biggest issue. If it is, you have a responsibility to take care of it immediately. No excuse, no nonsense, take care of it. But for some of you, there are great treasures down there that have never been accessed. The Spirit of God's going, it's kind of the best of who you are. Let's go after this together. There appear to be three limitations of fulfilling God's dream for you. First one is simply you make too much about you and forget to include him in the process. Or confuse which part he's responsible for and which part you're responsible for. Secondly, the promise to fulfill this takes far too long to materialize and you do lose heart. Again, both testaments use this phrase. Do not grow weary and lose heart. When you are pressing through, there will be moments. I don't care how good, how strong, how faithful you are. There's moments for all of us. Where it's just taking way too long. And number three, a limited focus on your character and on living out the life of integrity. And you just simply don't press through. So what do you do? Uh, You begin to identify what that preferred future looks like. How big the dream is or could be. The discipline to go with it to see it through. And as I have said regularly, Whenever I am with you, there's almost always something to leave behind. But more importantly, there's something to embrace. Something that is a gift from the Father. I will say this one as long as I live. I started to say it as in my mid-twenties, long before I had the wisdom to know what I was talking about. That God is actually roaming the planet, looking for people and places he can bless and use. He has a hard time, A, finding people to sign up. B, he has an even harder time finding people who will press through to the end. And the Bible says those who persevere to the end will receive their reward. It's just kind of that simple. This message of pressing through is kind of my message. It's sort of my life, unfortunately. It's way more autobiographical than I'd like it to be. But that's it. Yesterday, I got up early. Some of you had fun. You were up early, too. You got a little bit of golf in before the uh, Perth heat settled in. I discovered a couple of you were doing laser tag. Very, very meaningful things in the kingdom. That's good. That's good. Uh, I was too lazy. I, uh, I sat by the river. I just went to the river. 
And knowing that I had to do this this morning, just said, God, what, what, what are you up to? What's the partnership going to look like for us? It's a new season. I'm at this season of life, this stage of life, this age. And um, what can it look like? I said, yeah, I got the physical pain stuff. If I wanted to do a children's story, I could, like, show my ankle. And, I, like, I win scar contests at pubs. I like, guess it's a great thing to show the children and scare the stuff out of them. Come on, sometimes my life's a show and tell. We can just do this with them. But for the big pictures of the kingdom, I just said, what, what can this look like? That is it possible in the next 15 years? What could happen under your empowered strength? What could happen? There are so many parts of life that gives what the Bible calls a prophetic blessing. God will do this, but there's a phrase, if or when. If you do this or when you do this. And I thought the entirety of my life, the next 15 or 20 years, is a prophetic blessing. I have the sense that God will do very significant things if or when I do these. It's not I earn it. It's just he can't do his part till I do mine. True North Church, listen for just a minute. There's two things here. This is about you and your own soul. It is. Some of you know that because you're massively uncomfortable right now, and you should be. Because there is something to leave behind. Or more importantly, there's something to take with you. But I love standing here because I'm standing on the edge of your future. The north coast of Perth has not yet seen what God can do. Because nobody's done it. And you have tentatively signed on. Some of you are going, what do you mean tentatively? Tentatively because you just haven't delivered yet. That's all. So your next year, God's going, I can do massive things when you do yours. If you do yours. It is your leadership, but it's you. Because the new people coming in, the next 100, 300, 500, they're going to learn faith from you. So whatever you're like, they're going, oh, that must be what followers of Jesus look like on the North Coast. Who knew? They'll learn it from you. So here's some phrases. Oh, with all your heart, folks. Not losing heart. Guarding your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And pressing through until it comes. Until it comes. Two responses to today. Tonight, we're going to structure our, our um, whole service. There'll be a worship time, and then we're going to do guided prayer, directed prayer things. You're going to sit in one of three sections. Some of you, your focal point will be pressing on. Some of you will be pressing in, and some of you will be pressing through. And we'll give you structured experiences and directed prayers for each one. Some of you can't be back, or I can't wait till tonight. So here it is for you. Don't leave here without the clear next steps of what pressing through looks like for you. The best of what the Father has is way too important. And the people around you so want you to get this right. 
Let's do it. Pray with me, please. Lord, here we are. And here are True North Churches. And here are the people of the church. So come on, let's make this partnership so clear that everybody, absolutely everybody, knows what this looks like. Uh, there's a handful or two this morning. No, clearly, there is something to leave behind. And there's another couple handfuls go, it's time for me to enter this no excuse zone and get it and take it home with me. Lord, come on, just by your spirit, come and do what you do. I don't need to strategize what this is going to look like. Your people just want and need to say yes to you. There'll be some prayer teams to pray. Give them authentic discernment and wisdom and courage to say the right things. Look forward to a year from now, seeing the emerging hand of the fullness, the blessing of God upon True North Church and its people. It's going to be such a cool story. Yeah. And it'll be their lives. Let them dream. Let them dream well. In Christ's name. Amen. Please stand.